I don't think it's. Oh, it's just so tiny. Yeah. It's I realized that this. It's freezing in here. <laughs> Wear more clothes, Kaylee. You slut. <laughs> <laughs> don't slut shame, Mary. <laughs> You want? Oh my god. What? You had two coffees today. I didn't even finish my second coffee. Okay. You still had it. Yeah, you still had it. Now you're all tired and strung out. Welcome to Cheap Scares. Oh, jeez. What should we need to go to Cheap Scares? <laughs> what should we start out with? You know what we should do? This should be like some sort of setup where we're just like staring at Nico. <laughs> and just like t feeding him this information and he just like has to be like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, the one audience member yeah. that is like the... Too bad you're not Hungarian. Because yeah, yeah we have really a, appeal to your market. Yeah, our huge market in Hungary. Yeah, the Hungarians are big fans of cheap scares. Yeah, we're we're big over there. We can go to Budapest and be like, stop. Get a crowd of yeah. <laughs> yeah, stop our talking. Our pictures would be taken you know? everywhere. Yeah, like we're just trying to push them off of us. That's basically what's gonna be like. A sea of humans. Yes. <laughs> You guys can say this was recorded in front of a live audience. <laughs> a live, live audience <laughs> member. <laughs> we'll just ignore the fact that it's an audience of one. Yeah. Also, yeah. I don't know we'll how audience it is it. if you're going to be like talking. Yeah, interacting. Yeah, with it's an interactive audience. What if I'm a heckler? And you guys are like, oh, we got a heckler in the audience tonight. <laughs> hey, Nico. <laughs> How's it going? Just say, yeah. Okay, what are we doing? That was a pretty good start, I'd was say. That our let's, start? let's start our uh, Can episode. we keep this part in too where we say that's our start? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna keep everything in. <laughs> We're it. so meta today. <laughs> so welcome to Cheap Scares. Um, today we have a special guest, our friend Nico. Hello. <laughs> say hi, say a little bit about yourself, Nico. Oh man, I don't really know what to say. Little little I... icebreaker game. I work with Mary and Kaylee, and I'm down for this icebreaker game. What What's the game? Um, uh, two truths and a lie. Oh, no. boy. Okay. You gotta have it prepared. You yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, I should have prepared something. Okay. Um, let's see. I have been to Iceland. Hmm, that's probably a truth. I'm gonna believe it. We'll that's see. like intense eye contact. <laughs> wow, you were like really close to Kaylee right there. Was just I? Like, just like really leaning in just to make sure. Iceland. <laughs> what are the other two truths slash lies? Um, What's next? Let's see. Okay, my next one mm -hmm. is that. I don't know. I'm not prepared. I don't have a good Okay, one. okay. Let's, uh, let's, well, then, let's get into the subject. <laughs> We're grading you on this. Oh, boy. Appearance. I think I failed. <laughs> so far, introduction, you could do a little better. Yeah, yeah let's, so. let's probably, like, prep our guests into saying, like, you're going to have to sit, tell two truths in one lie. Well, no, I think it should change each time. They should be surprised. Always yeah. on your toes. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's what cheap scares means. Well, so far <laughs> you got one thing out of me, yeah. and you don't know whether it's a truth or a lie, and the other two are just up in the air. <laughs> we are terrible at this. We're terrible hosts. <laughs> okay. For like a minute. Okay, so our, our subject for today is the Sodder Children Mysteries. Dun, dun, dun. Da, da, da. Um, da, da, da. <laughs> thank you, Nico. Thank you for your contribution. We chose you for our first guest in. 
2017. 2017. Mm. First guest of 2017. <laughs> Our reformatting, if you will. Let's talk a little bit about some some background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so in so a little like base on this mystery. So in December. Uh, 24th, 1945, a fire destroyed the Sauter home in Fayetteville, West Virginia. Yes, please. Thank you, um, uh, United States. Uh, at the time, it was occupied by George Sauter, his wife Jenny, and nine of their ten kids. Question, where was the tenth kid? Oh, the, oh. That's the true mystery. <laughs> I'll <laughs> answer the mystery in the background. Oh, God. Okay. That's yours, though. Oh. Uh, <laughs> During the fire, George, Jenny, and four of the nine kids, pretty good though. That's pretty good odds for four of the nine kids to escape. No, four it's of not. The nine kids? But one of them is, wasn't living in the house at the time. So that's yeah, so that's, that would be four to six. Wait, what? Only four escaped. Wait. That's not good. Oh. I'm terrible at We're missing yeah, five. That's a, that's a failing grade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Less than half. I don't know what I'm talking about right now. Um, yeah, that's literally half of their kids perish. They are not doing too hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a fire. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was insensitive. The bodies of the other five children were never found. That's the mystery, Kaylee. Not the tenth one. Where's the tenth kid? You're gonna... This is like a riddle where you're like, oh, but the tenth kid wasn't there. But you can just ignore that. But then that ends up being the thing that yeah, solves yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, that's true, right? Oh, oh. Yeah. That, that's for Kaylee's conspiracy corner at the end. Ooh. No, Nico, you are officially welcome to the conspiracy corner. Oh, jeez. With, with thoughts like that, you're on the right track. Nice. <laughs> There's two of them now. Um... The Sodders believed for the rest of their lives that the five missing children survived. What? And uh, so, a bit of background on the um, the family, uh, starting with George Sodder, the uh, patriarch of the family. In 1895, George Sodder was born Giorgio Sudo, Sodo, um, and he was from Sardinia, Ital Italy, Italia. He's Italian. <laughs> Is that racist? Should I not do that anymore? I mean, it's not the best thing to do, but I feel like Italian people in America are pretty well off now, so yeah, I don't know yeah, how yeah. racist it is. Yes, that's true, huh? At, at 13, George immigrated to the uh, United States with his older brother, who went back to Italy um, after George had cleared customs at Ellis Island. So that was another thing that I was like, what? The brother just left huh. a 13-year-old in a new country. He was just dropping him off. Yeah, because in like 1895, it's not like, there, it's not like it was a plane fight. Like, okay, bye. It was like, I'm going to risk my life on this boat and then risk my life back on this boat. Yeah, yeah. It was, that's like the most, that's a mystery, another mystery <laughs> on top of this mystery cake, layer cake. Um... For the rest of his life, George, as he came, became to known, be known, would not talk much about why he left his homeland. Another conspiracy? Like, a, what, what was he trying to hide at 13 years old? <laughs> why? <I don't> <laughs> you know, Maybe. He was like, Mom, I'm leaving! And that was it. <laughs> Mom, I'm leaving! That was Mom, voice cracking. I'm that wasn't leaving. Italian. 
<laughs> that was me trying to imitate a 13-year-old's voice cracking, but it didn't work. Uh, Maybe he really embarrassed himself at middle school one day. Yeah. And he just hightailed it out of there. <laughs> he was like, nope, I'm going to go to Ellis Island, get my United U.S. citizenship, and then start yeah. a new life. You'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm going to make it in America. <laughs> well, he did. Like, um... As a 13-year-old, he did get, like, odd jobs, like, working on the railroads, giving water to the workers, you know? Like, those sorts of things that 1800s allowed children to do. <laughs> um, he eventually actually owned his own trunk trucking company. Um, so he became really well off. He was a self... He was, like, definitely an American, a, like, person who made his American dream come true. And so he eventually married Jenny, um, a shopkeeper's daughter, and also an Italian immigrant. So they had that in common. Um, and then, and I wonder if she had a secret past too. She maybe she left. <laughs> she left and got embarrassed in Italy. <laughs> she was like, "Oh, I have my period. I'm leaving." Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think at that point, yeah, like in 1895. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> if it's at that time, they were like embarrassing. That's why there's like. That's why there were so many nomads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why, because women kept on getting periods back then. Menstruation. Menstruation. They didn't Menstruation. want the men to know, so they kept being like, oh, we should leave. I don't, I don't like this area. Let's be nomads. Bye. <laughs> um, so they eventually moved to um, that city. Fayetteville. 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 It's a very strange name. It's not. It is, in my mind, okay. very strange. Um, which had a large population of Italian immigrants. And they moved into a two-story timber... Tim, no, timber frame... Timber. Timber framed house. They moved in with timber. <laughs> Sitcom. Damn it, YouTube! Nico, you ignore her stupid comments. It's all about improv, Mary. Oh, jeez. Thank you. We're trying to get through, like, I know. pages. Oh, no, we're going to hightail through mine. Okay. Um, so they moved into a two-story timber frame house two miles north of town. Um, George, his as I mentioned, was uh, his business was, like, doing really, really well. And they became one of the most respected middle-class families around, in the words of one local official. Um, he was, uh, George was actually a really colorful character. He would badmouth Mussolini, like any uh, person, like person with a brain would, you know? Mm -hmm. But apparently it got him into tr a lot of trouble with the, the local Italian uh, community. Um, so in 1943, um, they had their last, their tenth child, Sylvia, and um, by then, this is where they're their oldest was their quote-unquote 10th child that Kaylee was questioning where he was. Yeah. He was in the military fighting uh, in uh, World War II. So, oh. yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the following year, 1944, Mussolini was deposed and, ex and executed. But George's um, criticisms of the late dictator had left some hard feelings. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, 
1945, uh, October 1945, a visiting life insurance salesman, which kind of reminds me of The Office a little bit. I wonder if The <laughs> Office was like reading this and was like, oh, this episode would be really funny. <laughs> you think this is where The Office writers room got their ideas? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Talk about conspiracy corner. <laughs> a visiting life insurance salesman, after being rebuffed, warned George that his house would, quote unquote, go up in smoke and your children are going to be destroyed. How, how soon before the event did this happen? This was in October, so like uh, three months before. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's a pretty, like... Yeah, that's sketch. Yeah, if someone said that to me, I would move. I would be like... Well, I, I imagine that's like a common scare tactic that people in that line of work use, and I feel like nowadays you'd get in a lot more trouble for it, mm -hmm. but I feel like in the past you could get away with making a comment like that. Like other racist slurs, too. <laughs> you know, it's like that sort of thing. It's that in that line of like yes, things you're not supposed to say. Not yelling fire and um, what? Oh, sorry. I was just pointing out time. Oh, uh, and yeah. To be continued about the, our conversation, Nico. Um, sorry, I didn't mean it like that. I just meant to like make sure that you were aware. Um, he attributed this all to the dirty remarks. Um, George had said, um, had made about Mussolini, which is another, like, key point into this mystery. Um, and also another a person observed that their, their fuse box could have caught on fire, too, in the back of the house. They were making these, like, points of, like, oh, this could happen. And it sounded like it could be a possibility of why the house went, came on fire, or was on fire and stuff. But, um, so in the weeks before Christmas that year, his older sons had also noticed a strange car parked along the main highway through town. Its occupants watching the younger solder children as they returned from school. Ew. Yeah. So it sounded like it kept on getting deeper and deeper so ever since he started making comments about Mussolini. Mm. Which is like super weird. But he's like kind of a nobody. <laughs> yeah. Like why would anyone care? Yeah. That much, you know? I know. Hmm. I wonder if there was like spies with... But, but still, like yeah. why would he matter? Yeah. Okay, so a little bit about the house fire. So, let's remember that this is Christmas Eve that this fire started. So, um, Mary and the eldest daughter, she, where, um, she'd been working at a dime store in downtown Fayetteville, she bought her three younger sisters toys, and they got really pumped, and they were like, Mom, can I stay up past my bedtime and play with my toys? And the mom was like, yes, but only if the two boys, because they have so many kids. <laughs> yeah, goddamn. Like, so, so many kids. kids. <laughs> if the two boys remember to put the cows in and feed the chickens before going to bed. And then also she gave them some, a couple other chores, including like closing the blinds and turning off the lights, which I think is applicable to current day chores. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that matters. But anyways, um, then, so she, her husband and her two eldest boys were already asleep because they'd been working all day. And so after she reminded the children to do the chores, she took the youngest, um, Sylvia, age two, um, upstairs with her and they went to bed. All is well. Then at 12.30, the telephone rang and Jenny woke up and went downstairs to answer it. 
it was a wrong number. It was a woman whose voice she didn't recognize asking for someone she didn't know. And there was a sound of laughter and clinking glasses in the background. She told Sorry. the caller that <laughs> it's like gasping. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> laughter. Um, she told the caller that the sound, or she told the caller that she'd reached the wrong number, and later recalling the woman's weird laugh, she hung up and returned to bed. As she did, she noticed that the lights were still on and the curtains were not drawn, which were supposed to be the uh, chores that the kids did if they stayed up later than the parents. Um, Marion had fallen asleep on the living room couch, so Jenny assumed that the other children who had stayed up later had gone back up to the attic where they slept. She closed the curtains, turned out the lights, and returned to bed. Around 1 a.m., Jenny was again wake awakened by the sound of an object hitting the house's roof with a loud bang, then a rolling noise. After hearing nothing else, she just went back to sleep. About half an hour later, Jenny woke up again smelling smoke. When she got up again, she found that the room George used for his office was on fire. Damn. Fire. And why would he need an office when his kids are sleeping in an attic? That is weird. That is a good question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, hey, no, a second. What? There's, like, oh, there's, like, a... Oh, the office is actually, it doubled as Tim Burton's room. Oh, I see, I see. Tim Burton. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I there mean, if go. it's a Tim Burton movie, it makes sense to have kids in the attic. That's yeah. just kind of, like, off-kilter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. And Tim Burton gets his own room, because he's Tim Burton. <laughs> um, so... The office was on fire around the telephone line and fuse box. She woke him, and um, he then woke up the the sons, the older sons. So both the parents and the four and four of their children, Marion, Sylvia, and the two older older boys, John and George Jr., escaped the house. There's too many fucking kids. You I should know. just say boy one, boy two. Okay, so. No, just continue. Okay. No, no, sorry to throw you off. <laughs> <laughs> they all yelled for the children upstairs, but heard no response. They could not go up there as the stairway itself was already on fire. Um, John Sauter said in his uh, first police interview after... John? That's one of the kids. Oh, yeah. I was like, who is John? <laughs> so, boy two. Actually, boy one. He's older. Boy One said in his first police interview after the fire that he went up to the attic to alert his siblings sleeping there, though he later changed his story to say that he was the only, that he only called up there and did not actually see them. Oh. Why did he change his story? Mm. Maybe he was like shocked. He was like, oh man, I tried to save my siblings, but he really didn't try that hard. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So... It was really hard for anyone to actually con like find someone to help them or rescue the kids at the time because the phone wasn't working. So Marion had to run all the way to a neighbor's to call the fire department, and um, and uh, a driver on the nearby road had also seen the flames and they tried to call but they were unsuccessful and couldn't reach an operator. Um, and then like basically everyone was trying to do something but nothing was going right. <laughs> like they tried to use a water barrel to extinguish the flames, but it was frozen solid. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, everything was against them at this point. And they couldn't find, like, a ladder, right? Or something? No, they couldn't find anything to, like, help. Jesus. So basically, they just stood and watched as the house burned down over the next 45 minutes. And they just kind of assumed that the kids died. <laughs> that is quite, quite a grim, like, way to spend Christmas. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is de definitely a Tim Burton movie right there. That is true. So the fire department, which was also low on manpower because of the war, they were relying on individual firefighters to call each other, so they didn't even respond until later that morning. Damn. They just wanted to stay up and watch and, like, wait until, you know, Christmas came around. The chief couldn't even drive the fire truck, so he couldn't get there. He had to wait for someone to be available. <laughs> I feel like everybody in the fire department should know how to drive a fire truck. I feel like, yeah. But it was wartime. They didn't have the usual... The know-how? Yeah. They probably didn't have their license because all the people at the DMV were busy. Okay. That's like an idea that I have. But Conspiracy it's not, corner. It's not fully thought out or realized yet. I'm just like, maybe they were low on manpower everywhere, so they couldn't learn how to drive. Yeah. No? Not no. buying it? No. It's not? Okay. The chief? He was the chief of... The, the chief of fire department, the fire. You know, I'm just so rattled, rattled about this, <laughs> Kaylee. I can't even talk. Okay, continue. I'm allowing you to oh, continue. Yeah. Um, the firefighters, one of whom was a brother of Jenny's, just looked through the ashes. And then on Christmas Day at 10 a.m., Morris, who was the fire chief, yes, was like, there aren't any bones here. <laughs> Which is so, like, cause you can't. Sorry. Bones doesn't burn, right? It's like, they they say they char, right? Yeah, like there's they, you can see chunks of it, but yeah. it doesn't stay intact, obviously. But another account, though, to counter what you're saying, is that they did find a few bone fragments and internal organs, but chose to not tell the family. It has also been noted by modern fire professionals that their search was. Cursory at best. Nevertheless, Morris believed that the five children unaccounted for had died in the fire, suggesting it had been hot enough to burn their bodies completely. I mean, it was burning all night, too, so that was. For 45 would make minutes. Sense. Yeah. For 45 minutes? They just watched 45 minutes as the house burned down. Oh, yeah. That's not long enough, I don't think. But if Fast it's higher. I mean, I've I'm never confused seen it. if it only lasted 45 minutes, but they didn't come until the next morning. Like, what did the family do when it stopped burning? Yeah. Wouldn't they go look through? Yeah. Or, or maybe it was too hot or something. Maybe. Or maybe they, like, cried. <laughs> or too, too in shock. Maybe they collapsed. I suppose. <laughs> maybe they walked into town. Maybe we'll find out later. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Go on. I'm done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm done. Okay, so sub subsequent developments. As spring approached, oh, the wait. solders. Yes. Do you have any thoughts? <laughs> thoughts so far, Nico? So far, I think. Any holes you're seeing as a screenwriter? <laughs> I mean, the biggest thing is just the fact that there wasn't an immediate response, and it sounds like even the response that did come wasn't very thorough mm -hmm. because of the state of the fire department at the time. Mm -hmm. So it, one sounds like no one really even saw the kids for a while before the fire started. So mm -hmm. it's possible that they were like taken and then the house was set on fire or just that they were in the house and there just wasn't proper fire detective <laughs> work to 
find the bodies. Well, um, we've gone through a lot of stories about, like, during those times, and there's a lot of incompetency in, yeah. in yeah. the fire department and police department. And where is the police department in this? That's my question. Aliens. Oh, God. Oh, that's my idea. I know. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the merry train with this one. Okay. So you believe that aliens abducted them, not the mafia or anything? No, I don't think the mafia, like, first of all, too obvious. Mm-hmm. I think the aliens used, I'm, I know I'm skipping ahead, but I don't care. Okay, so it's obviously not the mafia because it would be way too obvious. They're mm-hmm. going to be, like, a lot chiller than that. Mm-hmm. Also, the mafia in West Virginia. I mean, there's a huge Italian, whatever, like, community. Second, the aliens would be like, oh, these per- these are perfect because no one will suspect it. Because they're gonna think it's the mafia. Oh God! <laughs> it's perfect. They did their research. They did their homework, and I am impressed. And also, um, not to mention, around this time, um, the Battle of Los Angeles, which was a past episode, two episodes ago. Shout out to former podcast episodes. episodes. <laughs> um, it happened during that time, which was basically a blimp like, floated by, and they thought it was a UFO, and started shooting okay. at it. Yeah. And so, like, this, this makes sense. Like, this mentality that, like, oh, something bigger than it should be happened, but it didn't. You know what I mean? Like, that, uh... Aliens. That's my alien theme song. <laughs> it's a short theme song. It's more like a jingle. <laughs> it's a whisper. At best. <laughs> okay. all are haters. Subsequent developments. Um, so, when spring approached, um, the sodders, as they had said they would, planted flowers in the soil bo- that bulldozed over the house, or the foundation of the house. And actually, um, throughout the rest of Jenny's life, she actually tended to those uh, flowers oh, that's really in sweet. Mem- memory of her children. So, in 1946, uh, further developments started happening around the early part of 1946 that reinforced the family's belief that the children they were memorializing might in fact be alive somewhere. Dun dun dun! Aliens. (laughs) Aliens! Um, First there was evidence that supported their belief that the fire had not started in the electrical system and, but was instead set deliberately. Set deliberately. Aliens. What evidence does it say? Um, so apparently a bus driver at the time that passed through uh, Lafayetteville. Fayetteville! <laughs> I can't say it for some Fayetteville! Lafayetteville. I blame my, my dyslexia. Um, late... Um, Christmas Eve of um, 1945 said that he had seen some people throwing balls of fire at the house, which I again questioned that. Wouldn't you call the police? You know what I mean? Like, there's people throwing, but then again, there was no, this was like way before the advent of cell phones, so I wouldn't think that. Wait, no cell phones? <laughs> How do they keep up with their friends and family? Snail mail? I'm sorry, that was just stupid. Keep going. <laughs> I know it did it. not land. That uh, the joke did not. Hey, land. you laughed. 
Out of pity. No, that was not a pity laugh. A few months later, when the snow had melted, the youngest Sylvia found a small, hard, dark green rubber ball-like object in the bush nearby the house. Um, George recalling, recalling his wife's account of a loud thump on the roof before the fire, said it looked like a, a pineapple bomb, hand grenade, or some other incendiary. Incendiary. Incendiary device used in combat. Hmm. So. What? But then that would just like, wouldn't the police be like, oh, that's a huge clue. Like, this is huge. I feel no. like all they did though was just come in and be like, eh, fire was here. <laughs> like, I feel like that's how it was. Yeah. yeah. They were like chewing on like some donuts and was like, Fire was here. <laughs> and then they just like took a like a, a yard rake and just like raked through the ashes for bones and they're like, nope, and then left. Bye. Oh, I don't need it. <gasps> um, the family later claimed that contrary to the fire marshal's conclusion, the fire had started on the roof, although there was no way for anyone, uh, no way to prove it because there was no evidence left. No roof? Whole, mm. Yeah, there's no roof. <laughs> um... Other witnesses claimed to have seen the children themselves. One lady had seen, claimed that she, while she was watching the fire from the roadside, said that she saw some children peering out of a passing car while the house was burning. And she just wanted her five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it's like always like, like thought afterwards, and it's it could always be a false memory too. Yeah. yeah. Like they wanted to see something, you know? I'm just like, no, this lady made it up. <laughs> She's a awful human. She's the 1945 version of Kim Kardashian, would you say? Aw, oh, don't be mean to Kim. <laughs> I feel bad for her at her current for state. Yeah, that really sucks. That does really suck. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Excused. Another woman at a rest stop between Fayetteville in Charleston said she had served them, the children, the missing children, breakfast the next morning and noted the presence of a car with Florida license plate in the rest stops parking lot as well. Ooh. Yeah. That's pretty specific. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm pretty sure you would remember if there was, like, a foreign or, like, out-of-state license plate, especially at that time. Really? No. Florida? <laughs> Even then, it was awful, <laughs> that state. Um, the the Sodders hired a private investigator named C.C. Tinsel, which sounds <gasps> like a like a perfect oh my God. private investigator's name. Isn't, doesn't that sound like That's amazing. Dark? I'm a fan. I, we're all fans. I <laughs> want his story. <laughs> I'm C.C. Tinsel. <laughs> a private eye. <laughs> my flask. Oh, man. Um, he learned that the insurance salesman who had threatened the family um, with a fire a year before over George's remarks about Mussolini had been on the coroner's jury that ruled the fire an accident. Do you think he, do you think he figured this out by having a newspaper with a hole cut in it? <laughs> what? Because, you know, private investigators, they'll have, like, the newspaper up. 
And then they'll have like a little hole cut in so they can like spy on people. Oh, is that a thing? <laughs> is that a thing? That's a thing. What do you guys not watch campy movies? <laughs> I guess not. No. <laughs> I will find you some Google image reference and please you will do. understand. No, Pink please. Panther did it. Pink Panther. Oh no, gosh. Pink Panther did it. Yeah, yeah and then Tinsel definitely did it. He was probably in the inspiration. Yeah. Um. So. He also learned of rumors around Fayetteville that despite his report to the Sodders that no remains had been found in the ashes, Morris had found a heart, which he later packed into a metal box and secretly buried it. That's weird. That's it's super weird. That's some Snow White level weird <laughs> But, um, contrary to their hopes, it was actually a cow liver that he buried and it was never singed by the fire. Why did he bury that? He wanted them to find it so that they can leave it and let it to rest. Like, leave this hole. Which is like a really unethical thing, I think. I think people I should be allowed to mourn the way I have so on. many opinions about this. <laughs> and all of them are like, what the fuck were you thinking? Yeah, yeah. He really wanted them to believe that the children died. So like, did he just like find a metal box? Yeah. Or did he, do you think he bought it? He probably bought it. He was like, or had like a, like, chocolates in the tin can, you know? I hope tin so. Tin like box. A little, a little heart. Like a heart and a heart. <laughs> a heart and oh a heart. no. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is like a stylistic murder, murder novel. CC Tinsel. At work again. Oh. So in 1949, <laughs> there is an. Excavation. Thank you, Mary. Oh my god, I've never, I've never done that before. Excavation. Why can't I read that and not Fayetteville? I don't know, we got Fayetteville down now. Okay. You're doing well. Doing well. Um, so George Sauter did not wait for reports of sightings to come in. Nope. After seeing a girl in a magazine picture of a young ballet dance, of young ballet dancers in New York City who looked like one of his missing daughters, George drove all the way to the girls' school where he... (laughs) He demanded to see the girl so many times and was refused maybe, each time. Maybe Morris had the right idea. Like, maybe yeah. to prevent this madness from happening and stalking, you know? He probably was like, I'm gonna prevent this stalking. Yeah, mourn over this cow heart and a heart to <laughs> the disgusting freak. Do you think he killed that cow? Right, anyways. Um, he also tried to um, interest the FBI in investigating any what he considered a kidnapping. Director J. Edgar Hoover... Wow! Oh, wow! It was J. Edgar Hoover! Isn't he gay? Or, like, supposedly? Well, he's home, dead. Home, like, he was secretly closeted? That I was remember. Apparently that was the subject of the movie. Never heard of that. I... I believe it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like uh, Abe Lincoln. He's definitely gay. Oh, is he? Yeah, it was like a huge thing. Like, I've definitely heard about that. <laughs> I've not heard about that. I don't know really? if it's definitely. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Anyways, come on. Director J. Edgar Hoover personally responded to, to his letters with, "Although I would like to be of service, the matter related appears to be of." local character and does not come with the investigative jurisdiction of this bureau. So, wow. shut down. <laughs> he was if, like, shut down. <laughs> yeah. Basically, no. 
If the local authorities request the Bureau's assistance, he added, he would, of course, direct agents to assist, but the Fayetteville Police and file departments declined to do so. Because they were too busy slaughtering cows for them to cry over because they didn't want <laughs> to keep going on this manhunt for children. They even, it wasn't even a heart, it was a cow's liver that they found in that That's just lazy. <laughs> that was super lazy. At least put a couple organs in there, guys. Yeah. Um, in August 1949, George was able to persuade Oscar Hunter, a Washington, D.C. pathologist, to supervise a new search through the dirt at the house site. So, <clears throat> there was a super thorough search, and artifacts including a dictionary, some coins, and several small bone fragments were unearthed. Uh, those were determined to, be, to have been human vertebrae. The, those fragments were sent to Marshall T. Newman, a specialist at the Smithsonian Institute. Damn, he's going all out. Yeah, this guy, he was obsessed with his children. I mean, I would be too, but like five of your kids yeah. just vanish. Yeah, with no evidence that they died in a fire. Yeah. I guess so. Um, they were confirmed to be lumbar vertebrae, all from the same person. Since the transverse recesses were fused, the age of this individual of the individual at death should have been uh, 16 or 17 years of age. Um, Newman's report said the top eight limit of age should be around, wow, they are not putting, basically um, 16 to 22. Yeah, so <laughs> that's, that's what, either like 16 or he could have been 22. Yeah. Given the age range, age range, it's not likely that these bones were from any of the five missing children since the oldest, Maurice, had been 14 at the time. Um, and then Newman added that the bones showed no sign of exposure to flame either. Further, he agreed that it was very strange that these bones were the only ones found since a wood fire of such short duration, 45 minutes, oh, yeah. should have left full skeletons of all the children behind. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. So our theory is out then, but their they their bones disintegrated or something. Yeah. Aliens is looking pretty promising right now. <laughs> oh no. Um the report concluded that the vertebrae had instead most likely come from the dirt that the solder ha that the solders had bulldozed over the site. Um later Deville Cemetery near in a nearby Mount Hope um wait what? Oh, later, DeVille confirmed um, that the bone fragments had come from a cemetery in nearby Mount Hope, but could not explain why they had been taken from there or how they came to be at the fire site. Wow, no one is competent in this story. Everyone's just <laughs> stupid. We've already talked about this. Like, many of our stories ends up being, like, there's just no competency in, the, in solving any of the mysteries. Basically, yeah. The investigation and its findings attracted national attention, and the West Virginia legislature held two hearings on the case in 1950. But basically, everyone just decided that it was hopeless and closed it at a state level. The FBI decided it had jurisdiction as a possible interstate kidnapping, but dropped the case after two years because they were just following stuff that had no point. Yeah. Nothing was working out. Um, so after all the closures of the official uh, efforts, um, the Sodders did not give up hope. They had put printed out flyers of the kids and then offered a five thousand dollar reward, or and it soon doubled after that. It was like a thousand a kid. It's pretty good, especially yeah. in that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the fifties, um, 
for even it wasn't even for the kids. It was for any information <laughs> that may lead to one kid. What? Um. So they in 1952 they put up a billboard at the side of the house um, along the Route 60 near Anstead with the same information. It would in time become a landmark for traffic through Fayetteville, Fayetteville, on uh, U.S. Route 19, which later became um, Route 16. If you know the area. No. <laughs> um, I don't. Their efforts soon brought another reported sighting of the children after the fire. Ida Crutchfield, a woman who ran a Charleston hotel, claimed to have seen the children approximately a week after the uh, fire. I do not remember the exact date, she said in a statement. The children had come in around midnight with two men and two women, which is very odd. Like, what is... Why That's do you... a fit in one Florida car, lady. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Rejected. Um, all of whom appear to be of Italian extraction. Sounds very racist, too. Italian extraction? <laughs> That's the most disturbing way to describe someone's heritage. Yeah. Yeah, I've never heard that before. Yeah. Can I call you Swedish extraction? No, it sounds too weird. It's like, it's kind of reminds me of like the extracts you use in baking. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, ew. Yeah. It sounds like a movie to me. Yeah. The Swedish extraction. <laughs> You're a movie oh, now. That's pretty good. I could be a star. You could be a star talking oh. in transatlantic accent. Yes. Um, when she attempted to speak to the children, one of the men looked at her in a hostile manner. He turned around and began talking rapidly in Italian. Immediately, the whole party stopped talking to her. Very strange. Mm -hmm. Very strange. Maybe she was just, like, being super racist towards them. And they were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. Um, she recalled that they left the hotel early the next morning. Maybe they had a flight to catch. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, investigators today do flight? No, <laughs> today do not, however, consider her story credible, as she had only seen one, uh, first seen photos of the children two years after the fire, five years before she came forward. Huh. Yes. Hmm. So she didn't say anything for years. Yeah. Yeah, that seemed fishy. Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, so, uh, in 1967, Sauter went to the Houston area to investigate another tip. A woman, he's, like, flying all over the place. Like, he's going to Houston. Just Where's he getting all this money? Is there, like, a GoFundMe account? <laughs> I think he was just, again, he was middle class, so he had dispensable money. Yeah, but how much is flying? You know what I mean? It's I like, know. Arm, right? I know. Maybe he drove there. Um... Say, uh, a woman there had written to the family saying that Louis um, Sauter had revealed his true identity to her one night after having too much to drink. She believed that he and Maurice were living, both living in Texas somewhere. But Sauter and his son-in-law at the time, uh, Grover Paxton, were unable to speak with her. Police there were able to help them find the two men she had indicated, but they denied being the missing sons. 
Hmm. Which is really weird. Like, I, it's kind of sad that people keep on feeding into their, like, their hopes of finding them. Yeah. Even yeah. years after. It's like, this is kind of not... I mean, like, it's weird, but it's more just sad. Yeah, it's it's becoming it's, increasingly it's just sad. sad. It's just the story about a father trying to find his five missing kids. Also, so, like, like the dad's flying around everywhere, but the mom's just, like, ringing making a her, garden. Yeah, wringing her wrists. Yeah. I mean, maybe it was just a decision between the two of them that they can <laughs> go on the excursions and all take care of the family in your absence, but I doubt she was, like... No, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm cared. just gonna tend to the garden. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe she was like, you go out and search, I'll be right here if they come back to find us. So, one of the no. weirdest things was that um, they got a letter um, from a, a, a kid, apparently, um, that was came from Central City with no return address in but there was inside a picture of a young man around 30 with features strongly resembling Louis, um, who would have been in his 30s if he had survived. On the back of uh, the photo, it said, Louis Sauter, I love brother Frankie, little boys, A90132, or 35. What? Yeah, it made no sense. Um, they hired another private detective to go to Central What's City. What's his name? <laughs> they didn't. They uh, didn't. It was not included. And looked into the missive. But he never reported back to the Sodders, and they were unable to locate him afterwards. He was no C.C. Tinsel. That's gosh. I miss C.C. Tinsel. Man, where, was, where is he? Yeah, but maybe this one actually found something, and then they got rid of him. <gasps> The mafia is back as a possibility. <laughs> wow, Kaylee! I it took flop. it took Nico's observation to you uh, to flip flop back there, back to the <laughs> mafia. I'm a fan of both. I believe the alien thing. I believe the mafia thing. The mafia thing is a little more likely because rooted in realism. Because it is, it could happen. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um. So um. The picture, nonetheless, gave them hope. They added it to the billboard, leaving Central City out of it and any other published um, information out of fear that Louis might come to harm. It, and they put it, an enlargement of it over their fireplace of the photo. Hmm. Wait, so how long have they kept this billboard? Um, It was up until, like, let's see. Okay, it was definitely after George's death. He died in 1969, which is really sad. He, like, searched up until his death. That is sad. Um, uh, so after Jenny's death in 1989, that's when they took down the billboard. Mm. It was up for 40 years. Wow. Yeah. Um, wow. As of uh, 2015, Sylvia Sauter Paxton... The youngest in the family is the only one still alive of the surviving children who were in the house on the night of the fire, which she says is her earliest memory. I was the last one of the kids to leave home, she recalled to the Gazette Mail in 2013. She and her father often stayed up late, talking about what might have happened. I uh, experienced their grief for a long time. She still believes that her siblings survived that night and quietly assists with efforts to find them and publish that, 
publicized the case. She promised um, her daughter said that she had her mother. Wait, this is very confusing. Um, her daughter said that, or Sylvia's daughter said, she promised my grandparents she wouldn't let the story die, that she would do everything she could. Aww. Yeah, isn't, that's actually really sweet and very, but wouldn't you want to live your life? Yeah. I mean, but you yeah. can live your life and still search. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, conspiracy corner. I think that we've pretty much gotten most of it, you yeah. know? Um, my possible theories right now, alien abduction. Um, I think that more likely, um, I'm, I'm leaning mafia. Myself? My, my, mafia, my vote. Nico, do you have a vote? Or new theory can also be pitched. Can if I, you're listening. Can I ask a question real quick? Yeah, can, maybe. Do you have the ages of the five kids that yes. went missing it's, at the time of the fire? Okay, so. At the time of the fire. I'm all turned around. Okay, so. There is... Martha, 12, Jenny, 8, Betty, 6. Wait, did Jenny name her daughter Jenny? Yes. Not like Jenny Jr.? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. They um, have a George Jr. and a Jenny. <laughs> Very strange. <laughs> um, wait, so we have three girls, Martha, Jenny, and Betty. Age or Betty? Betty is 6, so 12, 8, and 6. Okay. And then the little boy, I think, was 13. And then I don't... Oh, wait. And then 14. Maurice and Louise, so 14 and 10. So 14, 10, 12, 8, and 6. Wow, this lady was pregnant so much. <laughs> I know. So here's, here's why I asked in my thoughts. I think it's weird to think that the kids would have survived well into their lives if they had been 10 or older at the time and then never reached out to the family afterwards. Mm -hmm. Because I understand if they were kidnapped at first, they wouldn't be able to, but at a certain point, you can't yeah, especially keep now, them forever. Right? Yeah. And if you came to be a teenager, I feel like at that point, your identity would be solidified enough that once you had the chance, you would seek out the family. So, I feel like because there was never any evidence of their bodies, that they must have been kidnapped, maybe by, like, the Mafia. But, like, what, well, yeah, what happened was... to them? And if, if the Mafia was just going to kill them, why not just set the fire, which would have had the same effect? Yeah. Also, like, if they were kidnapped, why was no ransom ever provided? To yeah. Them? That's a little weird. And you know what it could be? That lady calling... Uh, Call back. Call me to that's fun. She has something to do with it. Or, and yeah. also that clinking and stuff. If it was Russian and it had something to do with communism, that would make more sense. But it, it was Italian and it had to... I, have, I know nothing about Mussolini other than he's a fascist. Not a good dude. Yeah. I, I doubt it goes that high up. Yeah. He's, he's just some, like, middle-class dude. But I could also see people who have sympathies for Mussolini on their own just deciding to do it. So I feel like the fire was probably intentional and that someone 
probably kidnap the kids before the fire was even started because mm -hmm. no one really saw them for a few hours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I don't think that they would have grown to be adults because of the reasoning I said before. I think mm -hmm. they would have reached out to the family. So I think it was just some like dark kidnapping kids storyline, which is depressing. <laughs> yeah. This is not weird. This is scary yeah it was very it ended up being very scary scarier than uh, what i believe and a lot of like one of the theories is that they were kidnapped and brought to it italy mm. back back to italy and <gasps> by the brother <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah there was no follow-up on a, like the brother that was in the war so oh. yeah so yeah. me Weird. oh so Maybe one the of the theories pro Mussolini. Mussolini. He got turned. He was during... like, I'll fix these kids. And so he would, like, to fix the bloodline, sorry to interrupt you, he was like, well, if I take five of them, if I take half of them, then I have a better shot. Oh, okay. Huh. Yes? I, it makes sense. Yes! Okay, let's end yes! on that. <laughs> Kaylee's successfully turning. This is a victory. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for coming to yeah! our podcast. Yeah, thank, thank you for having me. It was fun. Um, yes. It was good to hear a, a fresh perspective and like questions and stuff like that. Yeah. Because we're we're a little too nose to the grind for this for our episodes. I feel you. I get a little too weird. Yeah. It's all good. If you ever have me back, I'll be sure to have two truths and a lie prepared. <laughs> so far, yeah. it's just Wait, I've been to Iceland be up in the air. Different one. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Do you want to give your Twitter and or another handle? For people to follow you. Yeah. Oh, sure. My Twitter handle is Neeksneeks. Please which spell. Is, yeah, one that you have to spell out, but it's N-E-E-K-S-N-E-A-K-S. -E -E oh, okay. Okay. tricky. So, like, sometimes people nickname me Neeks, uh, and so it's just like, oh, Neeks, he sneaks around. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's never That's... happened in this office. <laughs> it's about to, though. Oh, boy. For sure. Um, anyways, uh, follow me on Twitter at Mary, H-B-N-G-U-Y-E-N. And me, Kaylee Follett, at C-A-I-L-E-Y-F-O-L-L-E-T. And like us on Facebook, Cheap Scares uh, Podcast, and email us. We'll, we'll take your emails. Yeah. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Fan fiction. Cheap Scares Pod at gmail.com. Anyways, welcome to 2017.